Welcome to Betrayal Trauma Recovery. So last week I was sharing my thoughts about the New Testament with you and I thought maybe it would be several episodes, but then I realized I was probably boring everyone and so this will be the last one so you don't have to stress. <laughs> I'm going to go through every single verse that I read, but what I am going to focus on is boundaries so that you can see that there are lots of instances where God has told us to set boundaries. I think that will be helpful to you and maybe give you some confidence and also give you the support that you need to set the boundaries that you need to set for safety. Before we get to that, many of you have joined the Betrayal Trauma Recovery Group, which is awesome. If you join, the second that you join, that means today, like if you join today, you can talk to our coaches, you can talk to other women who are going through your same situation and gain support and hope and a language to describe what's happening to you. It's not a bad thing to start to define the abuse. A lot of women are worried about that because they think, oh, if I start focusing or I start to find the abuse, then it will exist. But it exists anyway. The abuse is there whether you recognize it or not. And so identifying it won't make it worse. It will enable you to get to safety, which is awesome. So please get educated about abuse and talk to our wonderful coaches. They really care about you and they care about your safety and they want you to feel peace. So go to btr.org to see the daily session schedule. Okay, so I'm only going to do the purple parts. Purple is the pen that I use for boundaries. So we have an example of boundaries in Matthew 25 talking about the 10 virgins and the wise set a boundary. In verse 9, they say, But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And then in 10, it says, And the door was shut. So there we have an example of God supporting a boundary. Here we have another one in verse 30. He's talking about the unprofitable servant who was not righteous and wouldn't do what he was supposed to do. And so in verse 30, it says, And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So that guy did not like that boundary. And he screamed and yelled and he threw a big fit. But God did it anyway. And you don't have the power, obviously, to throw somebody into outer darkness. But you do have the power to create boundaries that will work for you. And I want to give you that hope. It does seem hopeless so many times, but it's not. No contact is one of those boundaries that I think is really helpful for victims. In Matthew 26, Jesus shows his version of no contact. In verse 63, it says, but Jesus held his peace, meaning he doesn't say anything. He just decides to go no contact in that scenario. Another example of Jesus going no contact or just shutting down communication is in Mark chapter 11, verse 33. He says, neither do I tell you by what authority I do these things. So Jesus is saying, you know what? You're just going to use my words against me. I'm not going to talk to you about this. Now, some of us are frustrated that we're in this situation in the first place, right? Why do we have to live in a world where this is happening? But throughout the scriptures, both the Bible, the Book of Mormon, which I study from, and also just in general, we know that that's what this world is all about. And in moving into Luke chapter 10, verse 3, God tells us, Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves, meaning be on your guard. You need to be prepared. You need to be educated about this. 
He doesn't want us to stick our heads in the sand. And in Luke, there is an awesome parable called the parable of the unjust judge. It is Luke 18. If you have not heard my podcast episode about this, please go listen to it. Just search the website for Luke 18 and you will find it. It is really good. The insight that came to me as I studied it. I won't go into that now, but I do want you to listen to that episode because there's a whole episode just about that one parable. Here's another example of basically detaching and not engaging in conversation in Luke 22. They ask him, are thou the Christ? And in verse 67, he says, if I tell you, you will not believe. And if I also ask you, will you not answer me nor let me go? So he's just saying, I'm not even talking about this. And he does not engage in their discussion. Now, this one is not regarding boundaries, but I really like it. It's John chapter 7, verse 17. And it says, If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. And I think that's true of boundaries. Like when you're testing something and we want to know, is this true or not? You're not going to know if it works or if it's good for you unless you try it. And an abuser wants to control everything and he doesn't want you to try anything new and he wants to make sure that you don't do anything that would make him uncomfortable. And so when you're experimenting with boundaries, it's going to be hard and it might make things a little bit worse for a little bit because if he is abusive when you set a boundary, he's going to become more abusive. At the same time, if you set a boundary and you feel more peace, you can breathe and you're like, oh, I feel more safe, then you can know that that boundary is good. But you can't know things if you don't do them. Someone who is never honest is never going to know why honesty is important. Someone who does not obey the law of chastity is not going to know why the law of chastity is so awesome. You can't understand a principle if you do not live it. Here's another verse where Christ disengages It's John 8, verse 59. Then they took up stones to cast at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. So he doesn't say, hey, don't throw stones at me, or whatever. He just, he's out. And in John 9, 27, he says, (laughs) he's again disengaging from conversation. I have told you already, and ye did not hear. Wherefore, would ye hear it again? Would ye also be my disciples? Basically saying, we're not going to get in an argument about this because I've already told you, you already disagreed with me, and so we're done. I'm not covering here because for some reason I didn't mark it in my scriptures, but my favorite example of Christ setting a boundary, which is during the three temptations, the one where Satan tempts him with throwing himself off a building, and instead of being tempted into an argument, which is what Satan was really tempting him with, he was not tempting him with throwing himself off a building because that's a stupid temptation. No one would do that. He was tempting him with an argument. And instead of engaging in the argument, Christ says, get thee hence. He sets a boundary of, I am not going to engage in this conversation with you. Because as we know, you cannot have an argument with Satan. It is a disaster and it just leads to chaos and pain and it never gets resolved. All right, so chronologically in the Bible, after the testaments of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, then Christ is crucified. Then we have the apostles, mainly Paul, talking about how to live the Christian life. 
And in the episode before, I mentioned that there's a few misogynistic scriptures that I do not like that Paul wrote that I do not find comfort in. And instead of going into that, I would recommend that you read Jesus Feminist, which is on our website, btr.org. So I'm not going to cover those, but I am going to cover the scriptures from Paul that I do find comforting. And I think that you'll find them comforting as well. Where Paul admonishes the righteous to set boundaries for their safety. Here's one. This is in Romans 16, verse 17. Now I beseech you, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them. Meaning, notice who is not obeying the commandments, being honest or being faithful or keeping the law of chastity and avoid those people and avoid them. Pretty cut and dry. He does not say, oh, understand them and make sure that you don't shame them and make sure that you listen to them and that you're safe enough for them to tell the truth. That is not what Paul says. He just says, avoid them. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, and God hath said, I dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. There is a clear call for a boundary to be set with someone who is not exhibiting healthy behaviors. Be ye separate. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11, Paul says the same thing. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. And we know the only way to truly reprove that is to set a boundary. Because if we start telling them, hey, you can't do this or you can't do that, it just gets into an argument and it makes things worse. So the boundary setting is the way to do that in an appropriate and effective way. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6, he says, Now I command you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly. Again, a clear call for boundaries from Paul. And this one many people are really familiar with. And it's going to list a bunch of the unhealthy behaviors. And then at the end, it's going to issue the call for the boundary. So I'm going to read through this. It's 2 Timothy chapter 3. This is talking about the perilous times that will come in the last days. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. So the boundary is in verse 5, and he says very directly, from such turn away. He doesn't say try to understand why they're doing it. He doesn't say go to couple therapy with them. He doesn't say make them dinner and do their laundry. <laughs> he says, from such, turn away. 
And then he says, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further for their folly shall be made manifest to all men. Now, a boundary is different than vengeance. So what I'm talking about and what Paul is talking about is setting a boundary for safety. This is Hebrews 10, verse 30. Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. So we know that like punishment or vengeance or whatever, that that belongs to God. But setting a boundary is for safety and that is different. And that's not what we're talking about. And that's not what Paul's talking about. Peter also teaches boundaries in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 17 and 18. He says, These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with tempest, to whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lusts of the flesh and through much wantonness. Those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. So that boundary is those that were clean escape from them who live in error. Here's in the epistle of John. He says, If there any come unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not unto your house, neither bid him Godspeed. Another boundary. And I'm going to end there. There are so many examples of boundaries in the scriptures. And if you are a Christian and you study the scriptures, I really encourage you to choose a color for boundaries and start looking for it. Also, the word deliverance, it comes up over and over again. And how God enables the righteous to have the power of deliverance. Part of my spiritual practice is to attend the temple. And at the temple, you can make covenants with God and you can also just pray and ask questions and ponder. And it's a really peaceful place to receive answers. And so I went with some specific questions in mind. One of them is, what would you like to tell me about my ex? One of them is, I'm super scared and worried about custody. And then as I've been reading the scriptures, I've noticed that many people are commanded to do things that are outside the Ten Commandments. They're outside of the regular commandments. Like in the Book of Mormon, Lehi is commanded to leave Jerusalem. Then later, once they get to the Promised Land, Nephi is commanded to separate from Laman and Lemuel. And so I was wondering if God had any commandments specifically for me. So I asked do you have a commandment specifically for me? So I'd like to share some of these answers with you. Maybe it would be helpful. So I wrote these questions down on a piece of paper and I left enough space to write the answers. And I went into the celestial room, which if you're a member, you know what that is. If you're not, it's just a really peaceful place. And I took this paper and a pen and then I prayed and I wrote these things down. And here are the answers that I received. What would you like to tell me about my ex? And God said, heed him not. He is deceived. Pay him no mind. He is blind. He is gone. Then I wrote, I'm super scared and worried about custody. And the answer I received was, fear not. All will be well. You have been and will continue to be protected. Be comforted. Be at peace. Then I asked about the commandment. What thing are you commanding me to do? And this was really interesting because I'm not good at this. I'm not good at the thing he commanded me. He said, be still. 
be at peace. I am commanding you to be still and be at peace. You will be delivered in due time. He is to you what the Lamanites are to the Nephites. And then he made a reference to the story in the Book of Mormon that I'm telling you about. When Nephi, the righteous one, separated from his brothers, Laman and Lemuel, they were named two different groups. The Nephites were the righteous people and the Lamanites were the wicked people. And so he referred to this in this next part of what he told me. He said, He is to you like the Lamanites are to the Nephites, to stir you up in the ways of remembrance, to make you mighty even unto the power of deliverance. So then I started seeing this word deliver, deliver, deliver everywhere in the scriptures. As I was pondering this, the answer I received and what I wrote down was, you will be delivered, keep the commandments and avoid all contact. You already have the power to hold no contact. Continue. You are powerful. Your obedience brings power. The spirit brings power. You have all the power you need. You don't have any less power than anyone else. So whether you use some type of spiritual practice, whether you refer to scriptures or study scriptures or you meditate or you pray, I really believe that the situation that we're in is so much bigger than ourselves and we really genuinely need help. And this has happened with people throughout time. Throughout time, people have been in proximity to other people who are harming them. And God can show us and does show us a pattern for safety throughout the scriptures and through his personal answers. So I want to encourage you, if you are religious, to pray and ask God or your Heavenly Father or whatever you call him, what you can do today to start making your way to safety. And those of you who aren't, just meditate on that. You know, ponder it. Consider it. Open your heart to what steps you can take to a truly peaceful and happy life. There's one other answer I want to share with you. As I prayed, he also commanded me to teach about abuse, teach about boundaries, drastically reduce my kids' screen time, do the nighttime reading routine consistently, and to maintain no contact with my ex, which I already talked about. And so I've been trying to follow those answers I received and trying to improve my life little by little. It does take time. It does take effort. I think the the main point of betrayal trauma recovery is it's really, really, really bad. We get it. We have been there. We understand. Just take one step at a time out of the fog. And eventually you'll turn around and look back and you'll realize you're out of the fog and it's so much better. It's no fun to be in this terrible situation and have someone say to you, it's going to be okay. Everything's going to be fine. Like when people say that, it's just not because we know it's not okay. We know things are really bad. But what I would like to offer is hope in the one step at a time method out of the fog. I really genuinely love you and I'm so thankful and honored that you listen to this podcast. It blows my mind all the people who reach out and tell me their stories. I would love to hear your insights and your stories and things that you have learned along this path that could benefit other women who are in this situation. So please go to our website, btr.org. Find this episode in the podcast section. Comment. I'd love to hear your comments. Also, your ratings and reviews on iTunes and other podcasting apps help isolated women find us. I also appreciate all of you who share on Facebook or tag us on Instagram or 
other ways of sharing this message to other women who need to hear it, who need a message of peace, who need a message of hope, and to know that safety is possible and that they deserve it. In editing, I noticed that I said that you have to try things in order to know that they're good. Uh, I don't think you have to try drugs to know that they're bad. There are certain things that we generally know are bad. Like, you, you don't have to use pornography to know it's bad. So, anyway, just take all of that, what I said, with a grain of salt. Um, yeah, in editing this, I realized, oh man, there's so many things that I don't quite say the right way. So I appreciate your patience and I appreciate you. Um, I appreciate you knowing that that every single word I say is, doesn't always come out the exact right way. So thanks for your patience. Until next week, stay safe out there. <laughs>